and awesome to be a part of uh, our fellowship of churches. Very, very excited uh, for Orlando. So if you haven't already, be making your plans. And uh, hopefully those tax return rolls in and uh, we can have a nice fun time in Orlando. Uh, okay, a couple announcements. Uh, we do have a campus leaders meeting this Wednesday night at our place. And then on Saturday, okay, we have our Strength in the Knot, our marriage workshop. John Nancy May will be doing that. That's at 9.30 here at the building. If one of your, if your spouse can't come, but you still can, that's okay. Uh, it's just a, a great time to come together and strengthen our marriages. Um, so that'll be this Saturday, 9.30. Feel free to invite any friends out as well. Um, okay, guys, I am pumped. We're getting into uh, the book of Daniel. We're going to start our series, um, and I'm fired up. So uh, we obviously can't cover everything, but over the next few weeks, we're going to be going through the book of Daniel, and I hope that it has... Uh, an impact on your hearts and on your faith the way that it did me when I first studied this book out. Um, so when I work on my sermons, I will oftentimes sweat, all right, uh, depending on how excited I am about the sermon I'm working on, okay? Uh, I'm not a sweaty guy, but I call it the Holy Spirit pit sweats, okay? So uh, when I was working on this, I literally had washcloths, all right? So I'm really, really, really excited for what we're about to go through here. And uh, Daniel is my favorite book in the Bible. It is filled with incredibly faithful stories of Daniel and his friends standing firm in conviction, regardless of the incredibly impossible circumstances they were in. And it's also filled with ridiculously accurate visions of what's going to take place in the future that will blow your mind and build your faith. Okay, so uh, that's part of why... Uh, we're going to study out the book of Daniel. I think it'd be good for us as a church, uh, but you got to buckle in, okay? Because Daniel, we always throw a little history in when we're studying books, but Daniel more so than most books in the Bible. If you can understand some, just a little bit of world history surrounding the book, it will elevate your faith to a completely different level, okay? So, and it won't all be history. We'll bounce back and forth between really practical lessons. And it's some historical stuff that helps these visions make a little bit of sense that I think will increase your faith in God and the awesome God that we serve. Amen. Okay, so let's go ahead and pray and we're going to get into the book of Daniel. God, thank you so much for your word. I'm so fired up to dig into the book of Daniel. Thank you for his example, for the examples of his friends. Uh, God, I pray that as we study this, you'd open our hearts to your word and we can all be challenged that our faith would be strengthened, that our convictions would be strengthened, uh, God, that our hope would increase, that our faith in you would increase, God. You truly are a sovereign God that rules the world, and I pray that as we dig into your scripture, we would see that more and more. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, guys, Daniel takes place, okay? Um, I'll get to that in a second. Daniel takes place in the 6th century B.C. in Babylon, all right? Daniel is an unusual prophet because he's not a prophet that was surrounded by other Jews, other, other uh, Israelites. He was just, man, he's out in the middle of nowhere in a completely pagan society. And so he is an unusual prophet, but he is a stud. All right, let me tell you. I'm, I'll just read this. Ezekiel 14, verse 12. Listen to this scripture. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man. If a country sins against me by being unfaithful, and I stretch out my hand against it and cut off its food supply and send famine upon it, kill its people and their animals, even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, even if these three men were in it, 
They can only save themselves by their righteousness. Declares the sovereign Lord. You get what God just said there? Said, hey, if a nation is dis disobedient, my hand's going to be on it. And there's only three people in this world that could possibly save themselves by their own righteousness, and that's Noah, Job, and Daniel. They won't be able to save that entire nation, but these guys are so righteous, they could save themselves from my wrath. I mean, that is what an incredible statement to be said about someone from God. Wow. Daniel's a stud. Okay? So, remember that. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about what, what is taking place up to Daniel. Okay, a little bit about the setting of Daniel. So, around 1050 BC, Saul, we know Saul, he establishes the Israelite monarchy. Saul goes crazy. He's insecure. He's arrogant. He's prideful. He disobeys. The spirit leaves him. He goes crazy some more. And then David eventually takes over. David, we know, one of the most revered figures in uh, the history of the Israelites. And he takes the Israelite kingdom to another level. Success, victory, uh, victory over all enemies. David was incredible. Okay, and then Solomon takes over. And Solomon, I mean, he, he, he makes the Israelite kingdom into a known world power, uh, increasing in land and territory and economic status and influence around the world. Solomon takes it to another level, but then there's disobedience. We know all that, okay? And then the kingdom splits. And then it's the stages of the divided kingdoms of Israel, okay? Uh, this little, this right here, this just helps me remember because it's a split kingdom, and you've got the northern kingdom, you've got the southern kingdom, you've got Israel, you've got Judah, you've got Jerusalem, you've got Samaria. So, northern kingdom of Israel has its capital in Samaria. I'm so shaky, do you guys see that? Okay. Northern kingdom Israel, whose capital was in Samaria. Southern kingdom of Judah, whose capital was in Jerusalem. All right? You don't have to remember that, whatever. That's just, that's just up there. Okay, but the kingdom splits. The northern kingdom of Israel has its capital in Samaria. Uh, they become deeply involved in pagan worship. Okay, God brings judgment on them. In 722 BC, the Assyrians come in and wipe it out. All right? The southern kingdom is like a little bit better. A little. So they last for about another 120 <laughs> years. And then you get to here. All right, right here, here. Okay, follow the line. See that? Okay. Babylon, Nabopolassar, all right? King of Babylon. It's a Babylonian medium, whatever. They, they conquer the Assyrians. Okay? Assyria conquers the northern kingdom. Babylon conquers Assyria. And then Babylon comes in. And the southern kingdom, southern kingdom of Judah, whose capital is in Jerusalem, submit to Nebuchadnezzar who is Nebuchadnezzar's son. Okay, said a lot of stuff. Go back, watch the live stream if you really want to memorize it. All right? So, 605 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar takes over Babylon. Babylon comes in. The southern kingdom submits. This is when the first captives were taken into Babylon. This is Daniel. This is Daniel and his buddies Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as we most know them popularly. Okay? And then the southern kingdom 
get stupid, and they Babylon, and Nebuchadnezzar returns, fights him again, beats him, takes a ton more captives. Okay? So, the context leading up to... You got through it. That's great. Way to go, guys. Um, and, I don't have it on here. We'll talk about it at a later time. But, 11 years after this, they get stupid again. They try to sell again, and, and they come back, and I... And it is one of the most devastating moments in Israelite history. Okay? But that from Saul, you know, from some of those stories in 1st and 2nd Samuel, that gets us from there to through kings, through all that kind of stuff, some world history into Babylon. All right? Daniel himself, the book of Daniel, guys, skeptics and critics try to tear apart the book of Daniel more than any other book rules the nations, and that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. And so, so the book is written partly in Aramaic, partly in Hebrew, okay? And so what they'll try to say was, oh, you see, uh, someone wrote it after all these events took place. That explains this prophecy. So they try to pick at the language, stuff like that. What most likely happened, I think what's the most likely scenario, Daniel recorded all these visions and then someone who's very close to him later on in his life, or maybe shortly after he died, compiled and edited all of Daniel's writings. Because there are some chapters where Daniel's speaking in the first person, I, Daniel. And there are other chapters where someone is talking about Daniel in the third person. So, uh, that, that is the most likely scenario. But the reason skeptics try to attack it so much is because, guys, we're going to see some of these prophecies as we study this out. And it is ridiculous. I mean... Daniel writes a history book of the future for the next 700 years about world empires down to so-and-so's daughter married this person and took over. The, I mean, it's just, it's crazy, okay? I can't wait to get into it. It's awesome. Uh, if you are interested, John Oakes wrote a great book on Daniel. You can find it on Amazon. Uh, you got to pay attention when you read it, but this is one of the easiest to swallow commentaries on the book of Daniel you'll find. So if you want to do some study on your own, there you go. Okay? The purpose. You guys with me? You with me? We're almost done with the, the stuff. Okay? Guys, this is what we got to understand. The purpose of the book of Daniel. Why was it written? Why is it here? Why do we have it? God's people had just been taken captive, and they were about to undergo centuries. Centuries of their faith being tested of being tempted to compromise, ditch their faith, and conform, and become like the nations around them. This is what we got to understand, guys. What do you think that red dot is right there? Yeah. That's Jerusalem. You've got all these major world empires, and that's not even to mention the Greek empire, the Roman empire. Israel was this little tiny thing in the middle of all these other world empires that had all these conflicts. And God is saying, hey, stick with me. I will protect you. Do things my way. I promise it's going to go. I got you. Okay? Uh, Kaylee. Kaylee loves to steal my food. All right? It's a terrible game. She thinks it's so funny. I don't think it's very funny. But one time I was eating these uh, really spicy chips. You know, Kaylee, do not eat those chips. 
No, this isn't a game. Don't eat those chips. I'm telling you, no, Kaylee, don't do it. Right? That's, that's basically a summary of the Old Testament. You got to get to the point where it's like, I hate that. And you know when you eat a spicy chip, it takes about 12 to 13 seconds for that heat to kick in. She eats one, these aren't spicy, and she just starts shoving them in. And then it just, the terror. My people, I've got you. Stick with me. Obey me. Of all the nations, you're going to be my people. We're going to change the world from the inside out. I will protect you. I'll watch over you. I'll keep you healthy. I'll keep you safe. Disobey. Disobey. Guys, don't, do, don't intermarry. Just got to let you do it. And the next six, seven hundred, that's where Daniel comes into play. As the purpose of Daniel really has two purposes. Daniel's life, you stand firm. No matter what the culture is around you, you do not compromise. If you are thrown into a lion's den, even if everyone around you is bowing down to some statue, do not give in, do not back down, stand firm. The life of Daniel and his friends inspires us not to back down because God will rescue his faithful servants. And so for generations to come, as the Israelites to their cultures, they would read the stories of Daniel and say, you know what, if this guy can do it, even when being threatened to be thrown into a den of lions, I can do it too. The second purpose is to inspire hope. I'm running the show. These other world powers are going to rise, but I'm behind it all. I'm behind their rise and their fall. I know who's going to rise up next. I know who's going to rise up after them and who's going to. And he gives these incredible visions of the future, not for some random reason, but so that God's people would be able to look and see, you know what? Assyria does not rule the nations. It may seem like it right now, but Assyria does not rule the nations. Babylon, as strong as that kingdom might be, Babylon does not rule the nations. As strong as Persia might be, Persia does not rule the nations. As strong as the Greek kingdoms might be, as strong as the Roman Empire might those kingdoms do not rule the nations. God is behind it all, and he is bringing a kingdom that's going to endure forever. And so whatever craziness is going on me, regardless of how powerful these kings seem, God rules the nations, not them. That's the purpose of the book of Daniel. And guys, I mean, I can't talk. It's incredible. All right, let's go ahead and get into what I want to talk about this morning. The title is Conviction or Compromise. Turn over to Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. Does all that make sense? start with Daniel chapter 1 and verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim king of Judah into his hands along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Okay, let's pause for a second. Isaiah 39, verse 5. I'll read it. You can write it down. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord Almighty. The time will surely come when everything in your palace 
and all your predecessors have stored up unto this day will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. And some of your descendants, your own flesh and blood, who will be born to you will be taken away, and they will become eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. All right, when, when were the captives taken? Around what time? You guys remember? There's a couple dates. Let's, yeah, let's, say, let's just say, let's put it in the middle, 600 B.C. All right, there's a couple dates. Guys, this prophecy was written 150 years earlier than that. At this time, right, Isaiah is saying to Hezekiah, hey, there's going to come a time when Babylon is going to come in, carry your people away, and carry your stuff from the temple, put it in their temple. At this time this was written, Babylon was, hey, Canada is going to take over the world. I don't know. That, Canada seems too big. Like, whatever the smallest, most insignificant little nation you can think of, someone's saying like, dang, yeah, that didn't come out right. Sorry. Sorry. No live stream. Sorry, Kevin and Clarissa. I love you. Lindsay, I'm sorry. You get my point. A nation you wouldn't, like, what? What? Guys, Babylon is going to come, and they're going to they're gonna take over. So, once again, guys, before we even get started, this is just a little crumb. Guys, God rules the nations. God is running this show. Let's keep reading. Daniel chapter 1, verse 3. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of the court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect. Handsome. Showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after, they were to enter the king's service. Among those were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names to Daniel the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Okay, there's some stuff we got to understand here, guys. When a conquering nation would come in, they had some tactics. This is what they would do. They come in, they wipe them out, basically get them to submit. They say, okay, who is the smartest, the most talented, the best looking, the strongest, you, 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 whatever. High officials, you guys come with us. You're going to come live with us. This was their way of doing a couple things. Because their goal was we're going to increase our nation by bringing your best and brightest. We're going to bring them in. We're going to give them new names. We're going to give them new clothes. We're going to give them new jobs. We're going to make them eat the food that we eat, sing the music that we sing. We want to integrate them and assimilate them into our nation. What that's going to do is it's going to strengthen our nation and it's going to leave you guys with your scrubs left over. Because if all you've got is the scrubs of your nation, there ain't no way you're going to rebel or revolt against us. And then what we're going to do is we're going to send some of our people there. They're going to marry you guys. They're going to have children. And in a couple generations, your entire culture is going to be wiped out. So Daniel and his buddies, they were the best of the best. They were brought in. They were given new names. They were given new clothes. They were given new jobs. Babylon was making an intentional effort 
not just to strengthen them, but to wipe out their culture, their religion, and their God. We want to bring Daniel, we want to bring these guys in, they're going to work for the king, they are going to become Babylonians, and we want to eliminate their culture. And so there's some significance with the name that Daniel's given, Belteshazzar. That name means may Bel protect him. Bel, or Marduk, was the chief god of Babylon. Daniel is brought in. I think the name Daniel actually means may God be his judge. Daniel was named to honor the God of Israel, the one true God. He gets taken into Babylon, and they give him a name, meaning may the chief God of Babylon protect his life. Daniel was being put in a situation where his faith was being completely, not just tested, but there was an effort to wipe out his faith. Guys, we're no different than the situation Daniel is in. Every day, we live in a world that is threatening our faith and is actively working to get us to conform to society around us as opposed to to God, to what's righteous, and to our faith. Every day. I'm sure you can think of so many different ways. The way, the way that we train our children, the way that our marriage dynamics work, the way that we spend our money, the way that we talk, the way that we think. Even within religious culture, we are constantly surrounded by a culture that is actively working to water down or completely wipe out what's right. And we have this tension of trying to live faithfully in an unfaithful world. And Daniel is such a perfect example of how to live faithfully in an unfaithful world. How to live for God in a world that doesn't live for God. So let's read on here because what Daniel does is he draws a line. You know what? I'm working in your palace. I'm working for your king. All right, you want to give me a new name, whatever. But I, I'm not crossing this line. I'm not crossing this line. Let's read on here. In, in, uh, in verse, so we know in verse 5, they gave him a daily amount of food, you know, different food to eat, all that kind of stuff. So let's pick up in verse 8, okay? Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. So there was something about what they were feeding them that was going to defile uh, Daniel, defile them, mess with their... And, and Daniel draws this line and says, nope, not doing it. I'm not doing it. Verse 9. Now God had caused the officials to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my Lord the King, who's assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king then would have my head because of you. Daniel said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, Please, test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat, water to drink. Then compare our appearances with that of young men who eat the royal food and, the tr and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed and tested them for ten days. At the end of the ten days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away the choice food and wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. Uh, 
I don't think that's a shout out to vegetarianism, but I'm sure some of you will take it that way. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service, and every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of the king Cyrus. Wow. As this is what we've got to understand. Fear threatens faithfulness. Every day we're put in situations that test our faith, that greatest threat to our faith. You see, the guys, it, when we read through Daniel, what we're going to find is Nebuchadnezzar won't hesitate to kill anybody, okay? And so Daniel and his friends, they are, they're captives, guys. He has no business making requests. But Daniel makes a decision. Nope, I am not going to defile myself, and I don't care what the consequence is. I'm not afraid of this king. I'm not afraid of this guy. I don't care what's going on. I am not going to compromise when it comes to what is right. This is what I love. He asked. It's not like he like busted into the king's. I won't eat this. He, what did he do? He just said, hey, do you mind if we don't eat that? And this is a great lesson for us guys because sometimes maybe you're put in a situation where you know what you should do, but you're afraid of your boss or your teacher or your coach or your parents, whatever, you know what's right, but you're afraid, and so you just go along with the other way, because you're just afraid of the consequences, or of what they're going to think, or of what's going to happen to you. What I love what Daniel did is he just asked, hey, I'm not going to defile myself, I'm not doing this, if that means I get killed, great, but before I jump to getting killed, hey, do you mind if I just don't eat that? I love Rob and LaShonda Milner. How do you guys know them? Okay. Um, Rob's raising a couple kids right now. His son is really into basketball, and I love what he did with his son. They had a tournament. Bubba is one of the better players on the team, and they had a, their game Sunday morning. So you're put instantly in this situation where Rob's like, I know what's right. I know what I should do. I know what I should have my kids do. We know what's right, but, man. Is so, uh, there's that pull to compromise. There's that pull to compromise. And so what did Rob do? Well, you, I guess you could either say, nope, or you could say, eh. He just said, hey, do you mind uh, if he shows up late? Just ask. So this is what ended up happening. The coach went and got the time of the game changed. Got the entire game moved, and then... Rob said, well, okay, because the game, I think, started at noon. He's like, well, that's great. Um, church will end around, you know, 1130, so we still are going to be late. So the guy said, well, what if I come to church, and I can take your son, you know, after, right after, so that way you guys, because Rob was preaching. Rob's like, sure. So the head coach brings his assistant coach and their kids. Half the team shows up to church. They readjusted and moved the entire time of the tournament just because he asked. Guys, how many, how many times have we been in a situation where, man, I can't, I can't come to Diva, I can't come to that retreat. 
because I got to work. Did you ask? Hey, do you mind if I get off an hour early so I can rush to this thing? It really is is for my relationship with God. It'd be really helpful. Yeah, go. Did you ask? Sometimes our fear prevents us just from even asking. Just ask. When was the last time? And I love Daniel's question. It's not like God said, Daniel, tell him to only eat vegetables. Daniel just came up with a... All right, I'll make you a deal. Uh, we'll only eat vegetables, all right? Let me pick something that's just so crazy. We'll only eat vegetables. And if at the end of the 10 days, we're in a better shape or whatever, because I know what you're afraid of, you want us to be in good shape for the king, you know, what, what do you say? The guy's like, deal. I wonder what's going through Daniel's mind like, oh, man. I didn't think he'd agree to that. Oh, guys, come on, come on. God, I don't know what is, I don't know what we just did, but... I need you. We need you. God, we got to look smarter. We got to look stronger. We got to look healthier. We can't be looking like these shriveled guys. You know, like, please, please. When was the last time you stuck your neck out there and put yourself in a situation that depended completely on God coming through? I love what Daniel does there. He just, you know what? I have more faith in my God than I have fear of this king. And I know that my God is going to come through. He didn't test God, right? He was resolved. I'm not going to compromise on my righteous convictions. And I know that God will bless that attitude. Got another story here. This is one of my favorite stories. My my buddy, uh, he's in L.A. He was was a campus minister at UCLA. Okay? He shows up to their pavilion. And there's one of the players there shooting hoops. This is such a great story of putting yourself out, out there, standing firm, and just faithfully asking, and God showing up. And so he goes to the player, and he, he asks, he's like, okay, I'm a little intimidated, but I know what I need to do. So he asks him out to church. You know, invites him, hey, you want to study the Bible? He shares his faith with him. He says no. Okay? So how many of us would just, all right, he said no. Thanks, I did it. So this is what he does. He goes, tell you what. I'm going to shoot a half-court shot. If I make it, you got to come out to church with me. He just, he just asked. Just, okay, okay. No, no, no. He had faith. My God is bigger than my fear of you right now. So he puts himself out. So what's he do? Drains it. Drains the half-court shot, okay? The dude, a UCLA basketball player, comes out to church, becomes a disciple. Some of you guys know him. Uh, Justin Thomas, he was in Tulsa for, you know him, Josh Thomas. He, he's in a, he came into Tulsa for a couple years for Teach for America. He was at our Heartland camps. The, the dude's a faithful disciple to this day. How incre- when was the last time, instead of being afraid, you put yourself out there in a situation in faith that required God to come through? I know what's right. And so I am not going to compromise here. I'm going to do what's right, regardless of how afraid I might be, and I know for a fact my God will show up. Wow. And guys, this is what's so cool about God. When you refuse to compromise on what's right, when you step out on faith, God always shows up. It may not be in the way you think, but God takes care of His faithful servant.
God's seeing Daniel down there, and he's like, you know what? I got you, Daniel. You refuse to compromise. It could have been so easy, so easy for Daniel to just be like, well, if I want to stay alive, I've got to eat this food. No, Daniel's like, nope, this is not right, and I'm not crossing that line. Not going to go there. God sees it, and he's like, I got you, Daniel. Not only did Daniel not die, what happens? God elevates them. They're the smartest, the most impressive, the wisest people in the entire kingdom, and they start working basically second to the king of Babylon. Guys, God's got this. God's got your back. When you find yourself in situations where you're tempted to compromise on your faithful convictions, don't compromise. Don't conform to the patterns of the world around us. Draw that line and refuse to cross it. I'm not crossing it regardless of how afraid of this person I am or this person or this person. I don't care if you kill me, but I'm at least going to just ask. But regardless, I know that my God's got my back and He's going to show up. Alright? So guys, as we look at the example of Daniel, as for centuries to come, like the world that they're in. Jesus set such a good example of drawing that line and saying, I know I'm in this culture, but I'm not crossing that line. I'm not compromising on my convictions. I'm not bending when it comes to what's right. I would rather die than compromise. And I'm not afraid of what anybody else says or what they think. I'm not crossing the line, and I know that God is going to God doesn't just show up. So, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know maybe what situation you're in that is challenging your convictions. It's tempting you to compromise. Maybe it's the way that you date. Right? Maybe it's the way that you spend your time. Maybe it's the, the conversations you have with your classmates or with your coworkers. Whatever. Not going to do it. Not going to cross the line. Not going to bend on my convictions. So, guys, what we're going to do, like we've done the last couple weeks, we're going to stand and pray. We've got a couple questions to discuss. All right. So, before you get your kids, once again, if you're visiting uh, and you find this very strange, I, well, I'm not sorry, but uh, this is just something that we do so that we can take what we're hearing from God's Word and start talking about practically how can we apply it when we walk out these doors, okay? So, we're not going to close with a song. We'll stand, we'll pray, and this is the questions I want us to discuss. In what way is the culture around you challenging you to compromise on godly convictions? Okay? In what way is the culture that you're around, or that's around you, in what way could it be causing you to compromise on your godly convictions. And then a follow-up questions. What line can you draw? Not gonna cross, I'm not, I will not eat this. This is the line. You give me a new name, fine. Whatever. He always refers to himself as Daniel still, but whatever. You can give me a new name. You can get, okay, I'll work in the king. Okay. But oh nope, not crossing that line. So in what ways is the culture around you potentially challenging your godly convictions? And what lines can you draw? Great questions, great practical questions. Uh, so.
Let's stand together, let's say a prayer, and let's discuss in the fellowship. Just talk with someone before you leave, and then uh, go get your kids, uh, and we'll, we'll enjoy the beautiful afternoon. Amen? Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we, we come before you. God, I, just, I, I pray that you would grow us to become men and women that can imitate Daniel. God, that regardless of the circumstances we find ourselves in, God, that we would stand firm when it comes to what's right. God, that we wouldn't allow fear to drive us. God, even just having the, the strength to just ask. But God, whatever is going to happen to us, that we would be resolved not to compromise on what's right. And God, that we would have a faith in you that is greater than any fear we have of anybody else. That we wouldn't care what happens to us, even if that means death. But we are not going to compromise. We are not going to cross that line, whatever it is. And God, I pray that as we do stand firm, that we refuse to conform to the patterns of this world. God, that you wouldn't just show up. And we know that you're always there. But that you would, ele- you would elevate us, God. That you would, you would use those situations to help us stand out and be more influential to help other people. God, we love you. We need you. We're so grateful for you. And we're so grateful, I'm so grateful for your word, God, that whatever we're going through, we can look to examples like Daniel, to books like the book of Daniel. God, I pray that as we study through it, you would build our faith, you would build our hope in you, you would build our resiliency to stand firm in what's right. God, we love you so much. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Guys, have, let's have some great fellowship. Let's discuss and uh, enjoy the afternoon. Love you guys.